Mike, you talking to your mic real quick? Smoke weed, smoke weed, smoke weed. Smoke weed? Smoke weed. Wow, beautiful. Smoke weed. Smoke weed, smoke weed. You're listening to the Super Week Super Weekly Supercast. I'm your host, Evan. And I'm your host, Doc Chris Begley-Bobag. And I am your host, Mikey Paul Jonathan Davis Tashkian. And today we got a very special guest, one of our oldest, most beloved buds, one of our oldest roommates. Without further ado, <laughs> it's not Jared. Jared just walked in. <laughs> We've been hijacked. <laughs> it's me, Jared. Hey. Welcome to another episode. What's up? You ever when you're sitting Oh down, God, don't do it. Get out of here. <laughs> and our very I special like guest. And our very special guest. Craig. And you may know Craig Shying from Yankee Bluff in the, the music realm, but he's also a photographer and film expert extraordinaire and responsible for the uh, Big Mama's Cinematheque, a cool film series that he did, or film viewing series he did at, at Big Mama's Warehouse back in the day. What did you call the series you did in the park? Like when you did the outside films, was that this still Big Mama's year? Cinematheque? Yeah, Big Mama's Cinematheque lives on. Good. Oh, as it should, as it yeah. should. Yeah, yeah. That Evan's referencing the film viewings you did at Grace Ferry Skate Park under the bridge. Yeah, a nice time. <laughs> a nice time. A nice time. Sorry, I constantly clarify things for the listener because uh, Evan likes to give the minimal amount of information about every every memory that he brings up. Well, yeah, no, that's good tactics. You know, like I have pretty drilled into my brain from studying film when you conduct an interview, try and get your interviewee. To respond with the question and the answer, you know. Oh yeah, like, like in like a test style where you use the question in the answer itself. Yeah. 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 Well, good. We need help because we suck at this. So we'll you keep that best. in mind. Yeah, <laughs> I was just and clarity should abound. <laughs> yeah, I'm just here to talk at you and be like, "Oh, Craig, wasn't it sick when we lived at Big Mama's together and like you built a bunch of benches in the garage and mm-hmm. like." Had a projector and like, you know, a big white sheet and then you like made a cinematech and it was sick. Evan, you're actually doing a great job of supplying background information in, in your attempt to not do a good job. That was my attempt to do a good job. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> the voice threw me. Sounded like a real bad job voice. But yeah, that what inspired you to start voice. that at the warehouse? I mean, you're a film guy, of course, but that's a very specific vision that you had. Yeah, I think it was like a mix of being so surrounded by the music community. And how like robust a network of spaces there were for people to share their work in that medium. And then kind of learning and figuring out like even the kind of cinema experiences I was interested in, like shit I was going to mostly in other places. And then, you know, one day smoking a cigarette in the garage, I was like looking down the ramp and I was like, oh my God, this is a fucking movie theater. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How have I lived here for like at least a year and not seen it? And yeah. once I saw it, I was like, I don't know. Because that garage specifically had a really steep ramp to get in and out of it that was like built for stadium seating. Mm-hmm. It was probably the same way the uh, ancient Romans or Greeks felt when they looked at the side of a mountain and they're like, you know what? There could be an amphitheater in this bad a rock boy. show there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The old, uh, yeah, Greek rock show. <laughs> yeah, why didn't we do rock shows at the bottom of the garage, I wonder? It, it yeah, it's asking for trouble. Question. <laughs> but let's get a little bit more background on the Cinematheque. I mean, you brought in filmmakers from not just Philadelphia, but all over the place. I remember some international filmmakers came through yeah. also. Who were some of the, the big standouts for you that you brought by? Let's see. Paul Clipson, Nasli Dinsell, Deborah Phillips, 
Alex McKenzie, Kelly Gallagher. I don't know. Like I, I was excited about all the the filmmakers that came through and they it was pretty similar to like DIY touring the way I got in touch with those people. You know, it was mm-hmm. like through the nonprofit I work with in New York, you know, it's like having your friend's band or like your friend's house show be like, oh, well, you should hit up these people in Philly next time you're going through. You know, so like all these people were getting put in touch with me kind of through the organization I work with in New York. And then I was just, as long as I was available, I was like, yeah, sounds good. Come on by. I'll make a flyer. <laughs> yeah, just like a DIY show. It's funny yeah. to think about that. I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with how, at least for the Philadelphia DIY scene works. It's interesting to think about that extending to other art forms and other mediums like that. Yeah. It was pretty sick to be uh, privy to it, you know, being able to walk out of my room and into a party and into just like, oh, I can just wander into the garage and watch this sick film and gain some culture. Yeah, I was happy to have the space to do it and to like try to cross pollinate those worlds. Like there was one, there was one screening, uh, my friend Lily, Lily Shang, who's based in New York. She had like a two channel film with a live audio component, but the person she had been collaborating with who was doing the sound, that relationship wasn't working or whatever. But you know, it ended up, I ended up connecting her and Kev Keenan and Kev Keenan ended up doing sound for that. And then they went on to like collaborate on a few things and it was cool. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of room. I mean, for me, film and music share a lot in being time-based mediums. And so it's happy to, I'm doing this thing with my hands where my fingers interlock, my gesture that cannot be translated. See, it's a universal gesture. I think yeah. people can use their imagination. Yeah, just look at your phone now. If you just look at your phone. Well, there were a bunch of films that you did where you composed a bunch of music to it or had folks from the warehouse play live to it. You know, Keon wrote that song, Dog Year. Yeah. Oh, that went on to become a Loose Tooth song. Yeah, that was for one of your live viewings. Yeah, that was one of my favorite yeah. things Which you I did. Which I believe it was called Dog Year. It was called Dog Year. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, to elaborate further for the listener, Craig would do like a double projector, right? Overlapping. And you had live more, bands. Yeah. Yeah, or, or even more. I think yeah. three was that. That, that show, show was five. 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 Wow. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was big time. But yeah, it's like the interplay of multiple images going over each other with a live band with a large collection of our friends who are all musicians and associated with the Big Mama's Pantheon. And it was like kind of the ultimate collaborative experience and spirit of what we were doing at the warehouse, like having all these interwoven films and interwoven people, you know, collaborating to make this one experience that you just simply had to be there. Yeah, it was nice. It was. And it will be again. We'll we'll have more of those, I'm, I'm, I'm certain. But I guess speaking of Big Mama's and everything, how did you find yourself getting into the Big Mama circle and moving in there because you were also a former resident. Yeah. My first experience at Big Mama's was when I was like 21, maybe. I was working on a, a film with a friend of mine. We had like, he had written the vast majority of the script, but we were working pretty heavily together, at least like producing, directing, and like doing whatever odds and ends shooting, you know, to make the film. And we were looking for a warehouse location. You know, the scene was something like a little bit of a meta scene, you know, we're seeing the one character who's making a film, like get his shit all together. And we're looking for a space and we were friends with Ben Schmidt and Ben Schmidt's band High Tide Hotel had recorded at the warehouse. And he was like, oh, I know a place. Uh, this is guy, Joe. He probably won't give a shit, <laughs> uh, which was totally true. So I had never been there before. I don't know any of the deal. Like, I don't think I even knew Algernon Cadwalder existed. Like I, I was like kind of, unprivy to this universe that I was stepping into. And we just made a big fucking mess. Like 
we like loaded in there. We had dolly tracks, cameras, you know, there was like a scene dependent on having a bunch of extras, just like smoking cigarettes and kind of fucking off in the garage. So we <laughs> filled the garage with our friends. It, like, it's funny, like looking back because like the scene we created is something that was largely like kind of very natural to yeah. the space. Yeah, it was occurring there anyway. Just, yeah. just with like <laughs> a completely different set of characters. Yeah. And I remember like, very distinctly standing in the corner of the main space, like kind of right by the garage doors, like the doors into the garage and looking out to the corner of the kitchen and there being like Joe and Peter. And I think Greg all like kind of cross armed or like hands on their hips, like scratching their head. Like fuck are all these kids doing in our house? <laughs> and then like being like Joe being like, Oh, I think I said somebody could do something. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Just like took over the warehouse for a day. But yeah, never, I didn't really get to know anybody. We were pretty busy. Like, it was like, for us, on our end of things, it was like a busy day. But my imagination was fucking on fire. You know, like, I saw that space and I was like, yo, we must find a space like this. I didn't even really know that that was such a possibility at the time. I was kind of young. I think I was like 20 or 21. Then I, I was like kind of possessed with that idea. And I met Joe Gallagher because we worked together at the library, the, the Urban Archives at Temple. You know, he'd smoke cigarettes out back on break. And I was like, man, I'm really trying to find a warehouse looking all around. And he's like, oh, I'm like kind of moving out of a warehouse. You want to check it out? And I was like, yes. And that's how I ended up at what then became known as Gerard Hall, mm -hmm. the space where everyone everywhere lived. And yeah, right around the corner from Big Mamas. Right yeah. around the corner from Big Mamas, yeah. which I don't think I even realized at the time. But uh, went in there, talked to Franklin, got some money together, started our own little warehouse down the street. And then through that, I slowly, like it was Dave Collis that introduced Jeremy Jams and I because Dave was trying to like book a show through Jeremy or something. Dave knew I lived at- How did you know Dave? I met Dave on the roof of the former Ortlieb's Brewery before they demolished it when I was like 19, just like Whoa. fucking around in abandoned buildings taking photos. And Dave was hanging out with like his high school friends. Dave's from Philly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like I met the, his whole little crew and we just like kicked it on the roof and got to know each other a little bit. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. About yeah. This. I've known Dave for a long time. It's pretty yeah, funny. For the listener, Dave Collis is now a Chicago resident and he's of the band Slow Mass, yeah. but he was a student at Paul Green School of Rock. So mm -hmm. he knows like our friends, Eric Slick and Dominic Angelella from way before, back when he was like a child learning from them there. And he's you know, makes an impact in whatever scene that he happens to reside in. But I didn't even realize you guys knew each other, let alone. Yeah, I had no idea this was the or your origin story. That's how Dave and I know was, each other. Was, uh, you know, thanks to Dave. Yeah, so he had, he had like fucking written us. I think because Dave was already in Chicago by that point, I believe. And he was trying to book the show. We couldn't do the show, but I was now in touch with Jeremy. And I saw his paintings and I thought his paintings were really cool. And I was working on like a, a free zine distro box, like, a, you know, the newspaper, little mm -hmm. periodicals. Yeah. I had just like painted it white because it was all, I took it from the street somewhere and didn't look very cool. Mm. And I saw Jeremy's paintings and I was like, hey, sorry we couldn't do that show. Would you like to paint this metal box? And he was like, I would love to. And he came <laughs> over and he... He painted the metal box, all sorts of cool colors and abstract shapes. And we just became friends. Like literally that day, like we're hanging out, talking shit. You know, then he's like, I have this band. Do you want to like make a music video for us? And I was like, I would love to do that. And then he painted Coop's sign because we put the box outside of Coop's place. Mm -hmm. And Coop's like, that's cool. So then he painted the record store. And then, and then it all just bled together. So it was, I don't know. 
I mean, I like definitely look back on all that shit and it is a pretty cool experience to be inspired by a place to the point of emulating it. And then that being what got me invited to join the space that inspired me, you know, like it really kind of came full circle. You were playing, well, you moved into Jeremy's room. Yeah. And Jeremy moved to New York. Uh-huh. And then everyone threw out my clothes. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I moved in to Jeremy's room because he moved to New York and all my clothes were still in trash bags as, you know, happens when you move. And all my clothes got thrown away. And so I also moved into Jeremy's clothes because Jeremy left a ton of <laughs> shit behind. Jeremy had only like half moved out. And I remember like Cat Park specifically like, you know, I just started dressing in his shit because I really didn't have that much. And, you know, she'd be like, what the fuck? You know, I had that shirt that he made of Jarmel's face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There were some people that oh, got really thrown off by the whole, like, what is this guy doing? I was just like, oh, this dude also <laughs> loves really loose cardigans. This is great. <laughs> he fits right in. Again, I lived with you at that time yeah. and I had no idea about yeah. that. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. But also as time went on after you started living there, I know like you and Peter Helmus in particular like formed like a strong connection and you went on to join Yankee Bluff yeah. after a time and you played keyboard in the band, but did you also play drums at some point too? I know you've played drums in a few bands too. I played drums at like two live shows. I think the first ever Yankee Bluff show, if I'm not mistaken, which was like a show I put together at the Cages, which was like, I think like a little, it was kind of like a Big Mama Cinematheque fundraiser because I was going to Europe for like a film labs meeting mm -hmm. and yeah, I was like booking that show. And I think it was like Pete and Nate had been writing those songs and I was like, you guys should play. And they're like, we're not ready. We don't have a drummer. And I was like, can I play the drums? <laughs> and they're like, well, that's sure. The most, like Evan Bernard esque <laughs> response I've heard out of you. <laughs> that, that fully feels like something he would we're have done. We're cut from a similar cloth. Yeah, we also dude. lived together for like four years, <laughs> five years. Dude, Cause then you moved play in the here. Show. Yeah. I'll play. <laughs> can I, so I'm in the band. Yeah. So anyway, did one set like that. It was really fun. And we played one show like that in Japan, the Dogs on Acid tour. But then like the last night we set up a show in a practice space because booking shows in Japan from everything I could discern is like a fucking totally different world than here. No one has space. You can't book DIY shit really. Mm -hmm. And it's, Anyway, that's a whole different story. But we, we played a, a, a show in a practice space. And I got to play drums in it, and it fucking rocked. It was a very cool experience. That's sick. Yeah, yeah I mean, none of the three of us have played a show in Japan, so I'm uh, pretty jealous right now. It sounds pretty sick. I'm probably you the most all jealous. deserve to also play shows. Evan everywhere. is, of course, uh, a major Japanese culture consumer and anime head, so you can see the, the fire in his eyes right now. He wants what you have. <laughs> I'm not worried. Licking his chops <laughs> behind that microphone. Craig brought me back Cuban coffee from Japan. That's true. Mm -hmm. It's great. I roasted it. It was green. Yeah. I was supposed to roast it with Craig. That's okay. That was during the days of the uh, trade embargo between the U.S. and Cuba, mm -hmm. I imagine. Yeah, it felt, it felt special to be able to get coffee from Cuba. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so went for it. It was cool. Smuggling it Thank in you. past customs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Craig just threw up the rock, the little rock hand symbol. <laughs> Love to smuggle when possible. <laughs> oh, well, you've, you've probably been more successful than we have. We uh, got caught at customs uh, when Evan was smuggling in like all kinds of sausage and different things from Europe. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> took away the most delicious sausage I've ever had in my life. And I was like, can I just eat it here? 
And they were like, no. And I was like, come on. (laughs) They're like, no. And I was like, this sucks. That does suck. They made you throw the sausage away. They They threw the most. It could feed somebody. Yeah, it's wrong what they did. I'll tell you. What they did is wrong. Yeah. It was the most delicious sausage I have ever had in my life. You hope they'd at least give it to one of those like bag sniffing dogs who are trained to smell fruit and stuff. Illegal fruit. Have you seen them? No. They have bomb dogs. I've seen all the dogs i don't know what they're sniffing for whether it's like drugs or bombs or peppers or they have drug dogs they have bomb dogs and they have like fruit and vegetable dogs too do they have like a different color collar or like a little little <laughs> symbol it's like fruit of the loom kind of thing going on oh i don't know <laughs> yeah it's like a pair of busted underwear hanging around their neck a fruit of the loom collar <laughs> No, you got the white collar for the drug dog. You got Uh the yellow and pink collar for the fruit dog. Uh I forgot what the other one was, but it was probably green. Okay. He sounds confident. I believe him. Yeah. I have (laughs) no dog in this fight. Where was the sausage from? I got it at a farmer's market in Amsterdam. Not Amsterdam. Well, in Holland somewhere. Okay. Probably Amsterdam. Where were we? We were mostly in Amsterdam. I think we were mostly in Amsterdam, yeah. But Oliver was also over in Europe at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we walked around the farmer's market and, well, we walked around Amsterdam a lot and drank a ton of coffee and I found a delicious stall that had some locally made sausage mm-hmm. and it was fucked up good. So was it like smoked? Or did it you was probably a little sausage? No, like, no, no. I'm trying, was, to, I'm trying was, to understand. Well, I need you to, it's like, you know, a cured, a it's like a cured yes. meat. Uh-huh, so it was uh-huh. like a, in Spain, they call it chorizo. In Italy, they call mm-hmm. it like calabrese. It's like that red paprika, spicy mm-hmm. pepper, cured meat. Yeah. In Holland, they called it a sausage. Yeah. And it was incredibly delicious. I ate a pack of it. Then I bought another pack of it. (laughs) And uh, I never got to eat that pack. I'm really sorry. It's okay. It's not okay. I'm very upset with customs, but. Yeah. I had that issue with a bottle of champagne. No good. It's a bit harder to smuggle, especially like liquid stuff. They're really, really strict about it. See, that's the thing is we got this homemade brandy made by one of the drivers of one of the vans on our tour. Mm Mm-hmm. He knew my family is from Hungary, so he made Palenka, and he had some and went home on one of the tour stops, grabbed it for me, and gave it to me to take. Was able to smuggle that through. No problem. Right on. You know, you never know what you're going to get with with the whole deal. Yeah, I managed to bring over some scotch for my dad, but they gave it to me in bottles that were small enough that it was like under the legal amount that like uh, whatever the the limitation is. But I don't know. I don't know enough about that law. And I know it comes from like someone making a liquid bomb at some point, but I feel like it's so haphazardly enforced that it doesn't really seem like they're doing that much to protect us. I'm suspicious of, is that just like pageantry of security or are they actually doing something? Beats me. Or are they just ruining a man's day by stealing his smoked sausage away that he's been carrying around for two weeks in his suitcase? Yeah. Sometimes people like, at a gate behind a desk, just want to take your sausage. They just want to take <laughs> and your they want sausage. to throw it out in front of you and yeah. just like watch. Because like, I can the power. Yeah, the drunken yeah, power sucks. But you've successfully smuggled a few things in. What are some of your best hauls? Well, so the same vineyard that the champagne came from, I wasn't able to take the champagne, but I did smuggle in a good handful of the seeds of the grapes. Oh, did you plant them when you got back? I gave them to Peter. And he has not planted them yet. Oh, he's still holding on to them. Well, I guess, you know, you can, they have seed banks and things like that. He's got time. I think it's pretty difficult growing those things. Like you have to really 
it takes like a couple of years before you can even plant them outside, you know, like you have to be like mm-hmm. taking them in and out in pots for a few years till they get big enough. But hey, whatever. It's the thought that counts. When Peter has a place he wants to plant those grapes, I hope he does. I'm sure he will. He will at some point, yeah. I'm sure. Out in the middle of uh, Oregon and in the forest. I hear grapes like to grow in Oregon. Is that one of the situations, though, where the product itself can only be called that if it comes from the appropriate region? Absolutely. Like, so yes. you can't call them champagne grapes anymore now they're like uh, now that they're outside Oregon Orbs or something? They have to call it sparkling wine or some shit. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know if it's the grapes of the process. You know what I mean? Like, could you make a, a wine that doesn't taste like champagne from the same grape doing it a different way? Probably. Mm. I don't know. Or... Let it go a little longer. Make yourself like a champagne vinegar or something. Does that is that a product that exists? You, you see all this red like wine vinegar, bubbly vinegar. Yeah, and effervescent vinegar. Effervescent. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I mean, I feel like vinegar is just the step after wine. Wouldn't you know? that be sure like it's... the cleaning agent then? Like people will be all over that. Like what? a bubbly yeah, cleaning you agent. You can drink it, clean with it, yeah. cook with it. Like a distilled vinegar, <laughs> just splosh it all around your kitchen. Yeah, you have like a like basically like a carbonated like sauce that you make out of it, and like Mikey, this could be your million dollar idea. Are you looking for a million dollar idea, Mikey? No, right on. <laughs> but this could be it. I'm. If just... one stumbles upon me, yeah, I think it did. It's happening. <laughs> this is the moment. <laughs> no. I don't think it is. Okay. <laughs> I would also pass on that one. All right. Well, if anyone out there wants to you make sure a would. multi-purpose cleaner slash, well, I guess essentially just white vinegar out of champagne grapes, we should Google this before. <laughs> call Pete in like five years or 10, maybe. And be like, oh yeah, going. it's all I eat anymore. Speaking of eating, eating at the warehouse is great. Oh, yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> we had a garden and we would eat lots of meals together and it was very nice. Yeah. yeah. I have like incredibly fond memories of double breakfast days. Oh yeah. I would love it when I woke up early enough to have first breakfast with typically with Kat and Tiffany and Mm -hmm. maybe Greg. Matt never really had breakfast. He might've already been out the door, but that, that was like generally first breakfast crew. It would would usually be the same breakfast too. Potatoes and eggs Mm -hmm. with like, I don't know, maybe a salad or avocados or some shit. But yeah, days that I would wake up early enough to have, First breakfast with Kat and Tiff and Greg, and then still not have to be anywhere, have any sort of responsibility for the day, such that I would be around for second breakfast when you and Pete and maybe Joe and Kyle. I just think of Kyle as frying up a hot dog while like running around. (laughs) I don't don't think of Kyle as like having breakfast often, but it was awesome. And we would cook up our potatoes and eggs again. Mm-hmm. We'd sit around and eat it and drink a bunch of coffee and figure out what we we're all going to do that day. And ah, I loved it. Do you ever miss the winter? Because I honestly loved the cooking and breakfast in the winter. I liked drinking the hot coffee and the hot breakfast in like the chilly kitchen area. Yeah, winter didn't bring me that down for at least a good number of years. Because breakfast in the winter was still cool. And also the trash food halls could be like really exciting part of winter to be like, to have this larder, (laughs) this wealth of whatever Trader Joe's trash we had, which like added a little bit of charm and magic to Mm -hmm. the edge of suffering. (laughs) I just remember all the, the one year with the apples and the brie cheese. Every fucking breakfast was just like I would fry apples instead of potatoes some yeah. mornings and just cover them in brie cheese. And I'd be like, it was decadent. I fancy yeah, as that is fuck decadent. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. That's awesome. like a really, it's a really special kind of wealth. Yeah, that you know, 
We don't we don't get often there. Dumpster wealth. Yeah, the old yeah. one man's trash is another man's treasure adage, yeah. And then I don't know when it was that we got the fireplace hooked up, but that also added a lot of charm to winter. And even prior to that, the triple decker couch mountain stadium by seating. Greg LeBold. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the nights we would all just cuddle around all these couches and pile in and watch movies. I remember like a year or two of October's where Peter would try to watch a scary movie every night. Or I don't know if it was every night. Like I think just, it was oh, yeah. every night. Yeah. <laughs> Peter's pretty good at like deciding on a structure yeah. mm-hmm. of adventure or Boldies, pleasure or fun. And yeah, just like, or some theme. Mm-hmm. The summer was always surf to. movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved that shit. It was great. I didn't care that I was cold. And I loved how necessary that stadium-style seating with the couches was because it was that massive rear projection TV. So if you were even slightly off-angle from it, like at least a third of the screen was black. Yeah, you couldn't see anything that was happening there. I can confidently say that I've seen him watch more movies than I've watched. So you didn't look at the movies, but you watched him watch the movies. and that's Well, yeah, like I would like see it walking through the warehouse. Like another black and white film. <laughs> Him and Wendell yeah. curled up someone, together. Someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just, you know, maybe he had someone over for dinner that night and they made dinner together and just another cute ass night. I'm like, damn, that just looks wonderful. You know? <laughs> it was great. I loved the special time. I yeah. love nighttime in the warehouse. It just felt nighttime in the morning. Yeah. The rest of the day was chaos, but nighttime and morning. Well, also usually chaos, but. Yeah, there are definitely chaotic evenings. In the best of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Mikey noted this back then, but I, I was always so envious of that because I lived, I never lived at the warehouse. So I would work at the studio all day and I'd walk out and you guys would be watching a movie and I would just stand behind the couch for like Aww. at least 45 minutes watching the movie at and being least. like, yeah, but I, I, I really should go. I need to get home. And then I just continue like, to stand there right, and watch well, the movie. You say? Yeah. <laughs> sure you don't want to like, no 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 I couldn't possibly I couldn't possibly stay I have to go and then just stay still and watch more of the movie yeah, okay, you know, there's plenty of couches to yeah. sleep on <laughs> and you're falling asleep standing up and you're like <laughs> so many blankets yeah no, I really have to go. I loved it loved all the visitors it was a nice time Good time in my life. Yeah. But speaking of like interesting kind of setups in the warehouse, you did some of the most innovative stuff with it where you set up a dark room in the second bathroom in the warehouse. And it was a bathroom that most people didn't even realize it was there because there's just like a weird break in the wall and then a sliding, like a Japanese style, like paper door kind of. It was very easy to miss. Very easy. Especially with the amount of stuff we had strewn and hung about the space. Oh, yeah, piles of junk on either side of that opening, so you wouldn't even realize that there was an opening in the wall there. No crevasse. Prior to me being there, there was, like, some effort towards establishing a dark room in there. I believe there was, like, already an enlarger for making still prints and, like, you know, some shelving and stuff set up around that. And then there was, like, the way I remember it was, like, a half-finished fiberglass sink which mm. is like i think you like build out a wooden framework and then you coat it with fiberglass it yeah. looked honestly disgusting <laughs> like because i think the fiberglass itself was like a kind of opaque matte brownish and it was very rough you know like it wasn't smooth and like liquid nails drying almost yeah that's a pretty good way of putting it it looked gnarly and i don't think it had ever been like plumbed into place or even perhaps fully fiberglassed. So at some point, as I was like learning, because I was learning how to to work with motion picture film chemically. Like I was learning how to develop all my own shit after I moved to the warehouse mm-hmm. at the nonprofit. At first, I was taking classes there in New York. 
And, you know, man, I like distinctly remember having like cool, long conversations with Greg LeBold at night. I loved also like the nighttime, like past the party nighttime Mm -hmm. to like the candle burners hours. Oh yeah. It's the best. Yeah. I feel like that was often like you would be around, Greg would be around, Peter would be around, sometimes Joe and Kyle in the studio. And like, I loved that when Greg's just like, listening to WRTI on the, mm-hmm. on the radio in this, in his studio, the silkscreen area. And it like gently kind of goes into the rest of the space. And like the few of us that are like still just up doing things, oh, fucking loved that time. But I remember talking with Greg, like after taking these classes, I was like, I can see it. Like I'm going to have an all raw workflow. You know, I'm not going to have to touch a computer. I'm going to go from like photographing things to, you know, the exposition of things all in the world. And I was very excited about that. And that's when I was then motivated to take a crack at the darkroom. So I took out the fiberglass sink and I, speaking of which, I found a really nice proper darkroom sink, stainless steel, whatever, on Craigslist for like 300 bucks. I thought it was a screaming deal. I borrowed your van. I'm almost sure of it. Mm -hmm. And went and got it and learned how to plumb it in. I would actually really like to get that sink back, which I know we texted about. Mm -hmm. We got to try and get back in (laughs) and (laughs) rescue this sink. Because we're probably going to have to break out the wall. We definitely, the wall does need to be removed to get it in and out. They're going to be very excited about that. uh, It's really chill because that that wall is like something we put there. It's just like two by four framing with one sheet of drywall on it. Mm Mm-hmm. That sounds like a I standard stole big the drywall build. from the landlords. hundred <laughs> percent. I loved how the landlords owned a construction company, yeah. so they had lots and lots of, for instance, cabinetry mm-hmm. prefabs in boxes next door that we would occasionally go take and build cabinets out of and put in our rooms or drywall or the stack of drywall was immensely useful yes it was great nice 10 foot sheets when we were moving all of our stuff out of there i remember they were moving the landlord's like crew was moving stuff out of the other half of the warehouse Mm -hmm. and there was just piles and piles of doors (laughs) on pallets that they were sliding out yeah i remember that stack of doors because the way we would break into that side was through that weird hole in the wall like somewhere in the middle of the garage ramp you have to like climb up Mm -hmm. and be on that like concrete wall next to the drywall and there's all these weird holes in it from like some other film production shit that had been in the building probably years prior to any of us and you could push through this like hole in it but then there was like 20 fucking doors right against it so you'd have to like push on the doors enough to squeeze through but not enough to tip them over but we never wanted to move the doors because then we felt like oh they'll know we're sneaking in (laughs) you know it was like that was our way yeah damn funny I also feel like they must have known we were sneaking in fucking oh, anyway. Yeah, thousand we would, percent. We would leave through the doors <laughs> and leave and them we open. Would always like leave bleeps. them open. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. They just opened. I'm yeah. thinking about that. I'm like, and then we would use, you know, we would get a giant ladder and put it up to the roof, and we'd go on the roof and leave the ladder there. Occasionally, some of our trash would just end up on their side. Yeah, just so. somehow. I don't under, I don't know. Where I did this? Broken for shirt screen press come from. I don't know. I, I didn't put an organ in there. I don't know who did. Yeah. <laughs> was, it couldn't have been me. Must be that guy you let live in there that time. Yeah. He was a good roommate. I That was before my time, but I've heard that story many times. He was a good roommate. He was not. No, he was not. Did nobody live there during your tenure? No one lived there. No. 
during my tenure. Yeah, if you're a new listener, what they're referring to is the other half of the building that in which Big Mama's was, was completely unused. And it was an even larger space than the one that we had Big Mama's in. But oddly enough, for a, a short while, I suppose, the landlord had just some guy living in Probably there. Probably someone that worked for him because they did contracting and shit. It was. Yeah. But yeah. there was no complete space. See, he was just living in the bathroom of that half. Well, it was a very strange room. It was like kind of like parquet tiled wood floor that has like on the sides of the center, like three large steps. And in the middle of it, like, you know, like six or nine steps that fill that same space. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all wood. But yeah, there's like this platform. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. The, my, my recollection of that story is he was weird. He may have had a alcohol problem. He slept in somebody's van once, a touring band's van once and cut down our neighbor Ben's tree with a hatchet in a rage and, or like an ax rather, and was eventually expelled from said living situation due to the ax rage. I'm glad there was at least some tree justice at Big Mama's because uh, as we noted a few times, the uh, culprits who took down the peach tree in the garden, they went unchecked. They they never paid for their crimes. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit. Those peaches were sick. Oh, they were. We don't know that though. Which thing? That they didn't get. Oh, some karmic retribution yeah. for what they did. If they did, well, I just think of the fate of all of La Finquita being turned into condos. And that, that was a lot of people getting negatively affected. And that's sad. Mm-hmm. You know, what sucks is that La Finquita didn't even turn into condos. It just turned into destruction zone. It's just not. It's nothing yeah. now. It got rid of it, yeah. and they never built anything on it. It's just yeah. not a garden anymore. Yeah, it's like it maybe it was supposed to be a parking lot or some shit, but now it's nothing. And I'm just like, yeah, bullshit. It is bizarre to look at that area now, just compared to when we started our tenure of Big Mama. Pretty vastly different. It's completely different. Like that, especially the the block that our building faced. None of what was there remains, except for I guess I guess like Taco Riendo on the end of the block, mm-hmm. and then like the lamp factory or whatever that building is that's the i forget the uh yeah one of the converted apartment place but all the other homes and the lot and everything that was there they're all identical like garbage condos and it's it really bums me out to look at it that abandoned building that you used to go i did used to go in there it was a great rooftop and you know it collapsed during a storm and now it's an apartment building yeah Luxury. I actually, yeah, I was always too afraid to go in there. Like every time I was invited, it was usually late at night, and I was just like, I don't want to like harm myself and like or plummet through the the busted floor of this building. But you spent a lot of time in there. What were the sights inside of that place? I was always so curious about it because it, it was, was like an old hotel. Are we talking about the same places are on we... the Caddy Corner one? Okay, yeah, that place was pretty empty inside. It was really just concrete floors, concrete pillars, occasional little piles of trash. Like there was nothing left inside hmm. that really showed there was much interest. There was, there weren't artifacts. There weren't shit like that. It was just the roof. I would just go up there to hang out on the roof. Okay. This actually makes me feel like I didn't miss too much. It's a the sick roof. roof though. It's like a 14 story building or some shit. Yeah, that is true. Tallest building around for sure. It was nice up there. I liked hanging out there. Did you do any That's classic all. photo shoots up there like uh, so many of our friends did? Nah. Okay. <laughs> nah. I thought I really you were the just film like guy. It. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure I took photographs, but not like photographs of people or anything, you know. Mm. Like, I think once I shot what the roof looks like, I was like, got it. <laughs> Back to the sink. Oh right. Right. <laughs> so we ought to get that sink <laughs> because there is now a, the newest iteration of Big Mama Cinematheque is waiting to come into being. That sink 
would be a really helpful asset towards well, that. Well, uh, what are you cooking up? What's, what's me, the next level? Let me level? tell you more. So in the very beginning of June of this year, I was working on a music video for one of Russell's new songs. Oh, for Golden, Golden Apples. For Golden yeah. Apples. Oh, man, so good. Oh, my God. Shadowland. Big plug for Shadowland here wow. on the airwaves. <laughs> what an incredible fucking record. What a beautiful project and beautiful people. And I can't say enough about it, so I'm trying to keep it short. But I was grateful to be working on this project with Russell and others. And it was, that in itself was an awesome experience. It felt like maybe perhaps the most like intentional, like truly collaborative on all levels, like music video experience I've had. I made a lot of stuff with, you know, our friends over the years. But this, like, I don't know. Russell and I really made something for that song in a way that, I don't know, I feel really good about. I haven't seen the video yet. What song was it for? It's for Tangerine 2. But as we were doing that, right, so, you know, we're, like, pulling out all the stops, right? We were going to build a set, shoot in studio, na-na-na-na-na. <laughs> and uh, since we don't live at Big Bombas anymore, to make phone calls to make that sort of thing happen these days. Mm -hmm. So I was calling some friends who I knew had set pieces and maybe space to see if I could rent or get a favor to borrow. And I was talking to them, and they're like, oh, totally not even a problem, we're moving out of the old studio. All the fucking set pieces are in there. We'll give you keys. Go on, run amok. So, I mean, that was like amazing. Like, ah, oh, best possible situation. And then we talk a little more. I'm like, well, that's great. Thanks so much. But what's going on? Y'all are moving out? Like, oh, found a new place. And thing, we were even thinking about maybe giving you a call. We maybe want to set up a dark room in there, collective studio, yada, yada, yada first floor of the building that Hidden Fortress is in, formerly known as PUD. The recording studio, folks from Snoozer, Snoozer folks, Dan mm -hmm. Angel's been recording there. Oh, yeah, yeah you know what? Brewery Town. At the Sun Oregon show this weekend, someone was talking to me about this, yeah. So they've been there a couple of years. I went to a show there, I assume 2019, I can't really remember, but I think that project was called Shine. And it was like Dan and some of the snoozer folks, maybe. But that was the first time I was there. Anyway, they, you know, have the second story of this warehouse recording studio doing their thing. Seems like a really cool space. And they put some work into that studio. And so anyway, the people I was talking to about borrowing stuff were like, we're getting in on the first floor of that space because this person who had a wood shop is moving out. And maybe you're interested. And I'm like, maybe I am interested. Let me come check it out. I checked it out. I was interested. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, yeah. There's like 10 or 11 people. Yo, let me get a seltzer, Mikey. <laughs> Please. What? Ah, your fucking wife. Thank you. Your wife. My wife. Thank send, you. Send my regards, please. Did we get that in the mic? Oh, I hope yeah. so. I love that sound. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. I know she's listening. Thanks, Sarah. This is really nice. <laughs> it's cold and bubbly and... Gentle hints of watermelon. Whoa, is it a big pink lemonade, lemonade seltzer? Yeah. Perfect. And then we all have another one sitting here. Should I put them in the fridge? If uh, you could just look at your phone and vote, please, uh, whether Mikey <laughs> should put these in the fridge or not. <laughs> we'll continue with the podcast as soon as we get an answer. Cheers, M8. Cheers. Well, then, yeah, we might as well just break into Big Mama's, take all the stuff we left there. We got to get the sink back, man. <laughs> I mean, Chris, Chris and I have the majority of our studios still there. Yeah. So anyway, we'll, we talk, we'll talk more, maybe some logistics that maybe could happen on that when we're off the air. But- it is very exciting to be involved in a collective studio space again. It's also, we just decided, I think, on the name of it. Mm -hmm. and it's going to be called Big Time. And, oh. you know, I still like to do things under the 
Big Mama Cinematheque umbrella or whatever, because I want I want that to live on. But also, I just I also kind of it's a little fun to be like, oh yeah, Big Mama Cinematheque screening at Big Time, Big Time, what time, Big Time. Where? Big Mama's? Big time? I don't know. There's some bits in there. It's I don't know if I tapped it, but I'm going to yeah, work no, on this. The, uh, the greater big universe is expanding. Mm-hmm. And man, so like, <laughs> I was there the other day working with people. We still have like a lot of clean out, build out shit. It's going to be a while. Mm-hmm. But um, it was Saturday, right? The day after the Sun Oregon, Bad History Month, Snoozer, Nixie Nix show. And like upstairs, I'm like it's totally Bad History Month recording right now. We're just like practicing. And we're like downstairs taking out the trash. I'm hearing the music through the floor, and I'm like, it really takes me to a place, mm-hmm. it, as you, you may know what I'm saying. So I'm really excited to see this thing grow, and like, no one's going to be living there. You know, it's like, it's a different time, it's a different structure, but mm-hmm. like, I feel like still carrying on same ideas, same efforts, trying to make a space that a lot of people can create in and be inspired in and share and awesome. rock. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you probably have a little bit more than the sink at Mama's that you could bring with you. Yeah, maybe. I mean, down to look around. But that's the one object that would be really useful. My memory of going in there, the last time we were all there, as far as I know, was that walkthrough about trying to re-rent the space. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty gutted. So gutted. Like gutted like my heart Mm. when I was in there. I feel you. It was sad. I also loved how in classic Peter and Craig fashion, uh, we we were there. We sent you some pictures and in under five minutes, you were walking up the ramp with a box of pizza. Oh, nice. We brought pizza. Good on us. It was from my parents' general store. Oh my God. You stopped that on the way home from Nate's wedding. Holy shit. That's all true. It was a pretty serendipitous moment, and uh, it was definitely a rough walk around. Oh, yeah. I was pissed. Not at anyone or anything in particular. It's just grief. Yeah, stage of grief is anger. So Yeah. Yeah. only point a few fingers. It was fresh, and I was like, what has happened to my friend? (laughs) Well, I was looking around, and I was like, why did you not fix any of the broken things, and you just got rid of the working stuff? Yeah. That's how I felt. I was like, what? What did you do here? Yeah. R.I.P. That Kitchen. R.I.P. That Kitchen. I like to look back with nostalgia. Yeah. Admiration for the space that we once had. Fucking changed my life. Same. Big time. It's (laughs) fully the point in my life I look back on most fondly. We're really lucky to have all that time together. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. I feel very connected to the people who I shared it with mm-hmm. and I feel like nobody outside of it really I mean people can have a taste of it but like there's just like so many you know everyone has like feelings where you can smell and feel things like you were saying when you heard bad history month practicing mm-hmm. that probably brought you back to like the exact smell of like what it was like you know July 17th 2013 brought whatever. me back to bad history month playing in the main space of the warehouse like god I don't know, a handful of years ago. I can't remember all the details around that, but I can like see and hear that moment with like the little light over the pool table and mm-hmm. it's a fucking sick show. You remember what it smelled like? <laughs> oh, I remember what the warehouse smelled like always. Not bad. No, it wasn't bad. If you smell your phone now. <laughs> if you, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been even longer since it was a show space too. I, yeah. I didn't realize that Bad History Month played there. That was like, there were a few little one-offs. After the time of show space, that was one of them. It was a more low-key show. It was in the main space, you know, obviously not in the studio. Would have been crazy. 
And I don't honestly remember the circumstances around why we did that. Like, I kind of think in my memory, it's more like somebody kind of needed a favor, like some shit fell through mm. and they're like, there are some friends, friend adjacent shit, you know, I was like, yeah, of course we can take that show. It'll be nice and fun. Is that the truth? I don't know. Just the way I remember it. <laughs> I think it's a situation that played out a number of times at Big Mama's. So yeah. I think that's a safe bet for sure. It's probably great. Yeah. Everyone probably stayed there till four in the morning smoking in the garage. Yeah. I loved smoking in the garage. <laughs> it was so sick. A second that. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. You know, what a rich tapestry of stories and experiences and bits. meetings and departures. Bits upon bits upon oh, bits. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Just spirit of the beehive alone, let's be honest. Yeah. They're, they're outbiddable. The, that certain iteration of that band at that time spoke in bit tongue. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's fun. The original kings and queens of comedy. Yeah. It really was, like threw me off for a while. I, I thought I was just was not liked by it, anyone. And it, I was like, wait. And someone was like, no, you're an idiot. And I was like, yeah, I'm an idiot. That's not true. In a good yeah. way. You're a fool yeah, for yeah, thinking yeah. we don't no, like you. Yes. Well said. You know, it's really cool that you guys have been doing this project to collect and, you know, provide a bit of a space for all these oral histories, overlapping timelines, memories, all this shit. Yeah, man, it's rich. There's a lot. Just like talking about smoking a cigarette in the garage, like I can see a photograph I made many years ago of like when the ashtray had reached like a real pinnacle of like <laughs> mountain of butts. Like it was really shapely. And you know, Greg had, where do these little objects come from? One never knows, but like it was a miniature of like a, a kind of like construction warning thing, like a clapboard mm -hmm. with like the white and orange diagonal stripe on the, the little sides of the clapboard. And it was just like precariously like plopped like into the mountain of cigarettes. You know, so the scale is like pretty nice and like, I don't know, I can see this image like very vividly in my mind. You still have this? Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to have to send it to us. Yeah. So my digitized catalog of imagery is really poor. But one thing about pandemic quarantine, like in the spring of last year, spring and summer of last year, really laying low, I spent like a solid month putting all my negatives. I didn't quite finish but a lot of negatives into sleeves and shit. Talk about nostalgia. Mm -hmm. I didn't get exactly to the point of labeling everything. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, like, this is a big task. And like I said, it's still not done. There's a lot of like circa 2015 type shit or like. You know, that's one of my favorite things about watching those films that you took of that time. Because what you've been doing recently with the Cinematheque stuff at the skate park, you kind of had these like collage films. Like there's like no, not a narrative. It's just like all these like little snippets of documentaries of or documentation of moments at the warehouse that you've just put into one or I guess two long film strips that you had overlapping with each other. And just seeing those glimpses of all those different moments and like seeing my dog Logan. Oh, yeah. And Splinter and seeing Splinter yeah. and Wendell playing together. R.I.P. Splinter. Yeah, mm -hmm. such a good dog. And it really, I felt that same magic, like watching yeah. those films again. And there's no comparative experience in my life that like lines up with Big Mamas. On all levels, there was this like collaborative and constant like interactive experience with everybody, whether it was working on music or working on breakfast or working yes. on the space. Mm -hmm. It was all these different people contributing their little aspects of everything. And that had this like really powerful cumulative effect where like similar to Spirit of the Beehive speaking in bits and bit tongue and having their just like microcosmic world they were in. That was Big Mamas in its own way too, where it was just this like 
bubble that we all existed in. I don't think I'll ever like see another thing like it. Yeah. Never say never. Never say never. In the Definitely never immortal say words never. of that dog, never say never. Do you think they were the first to say that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Damn, dude. This is a, a melancholic episode. Well, should we listen to the song? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> is that melancholy? And the is nostalgia inherently melancholic? Not really? inherently, you know? but that's just like thinking about that. There's so many sides. It's a multifaceted gem. Nostalgia. Yeah. And you can look at a different side at a different time and just get a totally different view of it. Yeah. I mean, Not melancholy for me. I'll tell you what, I'm looking back with fond memories. Yeah. And like, I feel like that experience charged me with like enough battery powering juice, you know, hopefully last a couple lifetimes. Oh, are you planning on having a couple? <laughs> <laughs> in like a, I don't know, in a more playful way. Oh, I see. Okay. There's a lot to draw from having been introduced to so many people in such a short time. And then for that initial short time to become a bit of a longer time and those relationships to grow in substance and not just be passing by like touring, you know, or, you know, things like that. Learning so much, like I would never have played in any band in my life if I didn't live at Big Mama's. And like that invitation that like first invitation, like you play on this. And I'm like, I don't know how to play music. And be like, yes, you do. Everybody does. Sit down, <laughs> you know, and then learning how to share that with other people. Like, oh, you want to make a movie? Oh, I don't know how to make movies. Yes, you do. Come and sit down. That shit goes a really long way. I think. I agree. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Seriously. I learned how to do so many things that I had no idea that I would ever learn how to do. Yeah. And then you taught people the things you learned there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like. We were really like sponging and, you know, like taking shit in and like quick turnaround, sharing it out. It was fucking sick. It was a lot of fun. And I think there's like a lot of things about that space that worked incredibly. There's a lot of things about it that were difficult, you know, and we get to all like take that forward. We get to create new spaces with all the shit we've learned from being there and like the way it charges your spirit. I think it was an extremely generous space. It was big mamas. Always thought of it as a mother. Always mm -hmm. thought of it as like deeply nurturing. It nurtured us. We nurtured each other. I think that can just fucking ride out into the sunset, <laughs> you know, and all the skills you learned for our, your craft, like all of our, our crafts and trades and, you know, watching you teach people how to use the studio. Like I really think about Gigi and Pierce, you know, at that time, like people that got super into recording, Tim, you know, and got really good at recording. Like yeah. they had generations from headroom to big mamas to then whatever, you know, I don't know if Tim's thing, blood red sky, maybe it feels right. I don't know. I'm sure. <laughs> Spell check me, Tim. Yeah. Whatever. And like, whatever. I don't know if Gigi and Pierce, like, have like any sort of name on the studio but like the work that they're doing is fucking sick yeah pierce working with beyond the bars and sharing all that shit out like it goes yeah it you goes know? i love how it expanded i loved a lot of the people who moved in you know after our time yeah it's cool and you know the next spaces we like create and interact with like we have all that shit from before learning new things all the time and how to like interact and be parts of our communities i think big moms is alive and well in a way <laughs> On the face well, of every smiling child. <laughs> I'm sure of it. <laughs> Maybe one of us could just go to somewhere where land is cheap and recreate to the T Big Mamas. Oh, one for one. Even, even where the bolts stick out of the floor. Oh my God. <laughs> even when the cracks in the concrete foundation. Yeah, right, yeah. Even where the walls are decaying and, and dust is. And the is, mold is present. <laughs> there were some scary corners. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and yeah, like, I don't know. That is worth reminding 
ourselves of in a way like it is easy to romanticize and it was hella romantic yeah. mm-hmm. but you know there was also a lot of struggle difficulty gonna say deeply less than ideal circumstances in many in many cases the sacrifices you make yeah i think as we grow then we can be like you know what can do a little bit safer than that <laughs> each time each time you you try again it gets like a little bit safer a little bit more accessible we could clean more we could clean more one of the funny things about setting up the dark room i found like this little index card that i think bean had made and it was like a chore chart for cleaning that bathroom and it was like name date cleaned yada yada whatever pertinent information bean had felt should be on this little chore chart for the bathroom cleaning and he was the only person that ever cleaned it. It was like he set up this system, did it once, and then no one ever did it again. And it was like covered in dust in the corner. And I, I thought it was really funny. That's kind of how it went. Emblematic, yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's beautiful that we did all the shit we did without structure, without meetings, without, you know, like any shit like that. And like coexisted, got along fucking swimmingly. There was conflict. It was solved. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it was paradise for a while. Very autonomous. We were all very autonomous. And like when it's like that, you know, sometimes you make a change because you're like, I think this is a great idea. And somebody else is like, the fuck? And you're like, well, do you dislike it so much that I should change it back? Or what's the deal? Change it a little bit? Do you want to get involved with the change? Yeah, exactly. Generally, if you had the energy and will to do the work, to do the thing, it was like, just do it. Because if you ask somebody and they're like, oh, poo poo, you know, but don't want to do anything. Nothing happens. Yeah, it was very much the mindset living there that I still have to this day, which is like, you want to change something, just do it. Nobody else is going to do it. You got to do it yourself. Yeah. You and know? sometimes waiting around for all the conjecture to be over, then nothing. Yeah. I've yeah. woken up many a, a morning in the warehouse to you having rearranged it. I did like to sweep. And when I swept... I'd be like, hmm, what's this like over here? You would set up like a reading area right mm-hmm. outside of the bathroom, I remember once. <laughs> uh-huh. That was really nice. Uh, I think previously it was a table, a folding table with a large piece of paper on it that Greg had with all of his characters. One of Greg's crafting stations. Reading, yep. I remember being like, oh, this is interesting. I like it. I think I'll go sit here. I like to make nooks. Still to this day. Mm-hmm. Little, little zones of places yeah. to go. Well, one place that we should go on this podcast is actually listening to the song for this week, uh, as yeah. Evan mentioned earlier. So uh, let's take a little peek. This could be the end. 
Ah, yeah. So, yeah, that was my attempt at writing a band name song. Great job. Fortunately, I had most of the members of band name on. Well, I guess not most, but I had some of the vital members of band name perform on it with me. Definitely helps. Such as Craig Shying. Yes, absolutely. Vital member of band name. Wait, this is a goof? We Or you never played band name, right? I did not play in band name. Okay, okay. I was just going along with it. I was as like, he mentioned prior, though, he did make a music video for band name. Yes. I did. It was great. Great time. Was it the King of Surfers video? Or which one did you do? King of Surfers. The characteristic Craig Shying style. What am I saying? That was warehouse bonding. That was before I lived at the warehouse. Mm. Yeah. Still in the time of Jeremy. But yeah, deeply establishing the vibe of what the warehouse would be. Yeah. This is cool. You know what? Let's actually delve into that a little bit, though. Like with The experience of making that video. Because I feel like that's so much of the imagery I associate with band name is really established. And that too, like the eyeball head and everything. What was the process like? Like doing that. Am I am I jumping off from the song too quickly, by the way? No, I don't give a shit. Okay, cool. I mean, I will say the song rocks. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. It is a cool song. It's fun to go back and be like, oh yeah, I remember Greg and I like made that up and then it was done and then we were like, all right, cool. Yeah. What should we eat now? <laughs> Probably potatoes and eggs. Let's see what's going on in the garden. Yeah, that's true. This was prime garden time. Yeah. But very much in that eating realm band name is the band that Evan made the hot sauce band name breakfast for, but... Of course, yeah, that. that really brings a lot of the threads together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as I was touching upon prior to that record was, of course, the King of Surfers and you had done that music video. I feel like there's a very interesting story leading up to the filming of it, right? Because didn't you, you all travel to the beach together? Yeah, this is a good little tale. Band Aim is a cool project because they did so much shit around the writing of the music, too. They had yeah, all these, Band of Artists. Yeah, they had all these props around the warehouse from different shows or, I don't know, whatever they were up to. And Jeremy had this massive, like, cardboard tape deck and speakers, like big stereo. I oh. if it was three pieces or one. kind of think it was three. And we set it up in the garage to animate it. Like, Jeremy would just keep painting it, you know, different colors. It was fun. Did it for, like, a day. And they're like, oh, we should totally bring that to the beach because they're shooting on the beach because King Surfers, you know. And we strapped it to the roof of, again, I'm pretty much certain your van, Evan. I think it was the Jeremy's maroon, at uh, this time. I think of the maroon. Jeremy's van Dodge. was also maroon. Yeah. Mm, great color for a van. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, anyway, we strapped it to the roof and tried to go to the beach. And we did definitely go to the beach, but pretty quickly we lost all of the stereo on the on the highway, flying off the roof of the van. Mm-hmm. I wonder what people were thinking behind you too, just like seeing like a big fake speaker cabinet, just like zooming yeah. through the air. I really hope it was like cool and fun and not like, oh shit, what is that scary? You know, like I hope <laughs> everyone is far enough away for that to be like, what the? And not like, oh, but I'll never know. <laughs> I guess a lot of those props were like, for instance, like the eyeball head. Mm-hmm. Was that stuff that they had made previously? Or I, th- I assume they made it for the music video. I made the eyeball heads, like the ones that they wore. Yeah. Based off the, the art for the seven inch. Oh, okay. Yeah. For me, this was a chicken or the egg scenario. I didn't yeah. realize it was so definitive. Yeah. I mean, so I, was it Jeremy or Greg or Kat who made that? I want to say those are Jeremy drawings, but. I feel anyway. like it's possible that there was a Greg action figure somewhere. That, that was that previously. was made in conjunction with the video. Oh, okay. But I okay. want to say the drawings were probably the first thing. And yeah, it was like a, a surfer with a body and then a, just a giant eyeball as a head surfing wave. So it's like, cool, I'll make those. That'll be fun. And, you know, so we made those. And then it was like I had like separate crafting days with each member of the band. Jeremy and I did the animation with the boom box in the garage and some of James's Greg's brother's sculptures, I think. Mm-hmm. And then we all went to the beach together with the heads that I made and just played on the beach. And then Kat 
came over to Gerard Hall and we just did like a night of her painting and animating whatever she wanted to do. And then when Greg and I hung out at the warehouse, he made the doll with the head and like we played in the tub with his sculptures and toys. <laughs> and that is how the video was made. Played in the tub. Yeah, man. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. The whole thing. Yeah, that's like a perfect slice of each of their personalities in that Very creative honest. process. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I got to know them. Awesome. Yeah, it was almost like your audition for being a member of the warehouse in a way. Where yeah. you had to go through the various, the middle management of the warehouse. <laughs> yeah, see if we can hang. Yeah. I feel like I got almost hazed by the habanero vodka when oh, I was Oh, uh, we haven't talked about this in, in a while, but yeah. it does come up. What was your experience with that vodka? Totally terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was awful. It was painful, confusing. <laughs> I drank milk right away. I thought I was going to puke. Yeah. Yeah. It was Many bad. did. It was like, you know, the middle of the afternoon too. It was like looking around the warehouse and Pete's like, so you want to try this vodka? And I was like, sure. <laughs> what is that? I mean, he told me it was spicy, but I had no idea. Uh, even just smelling it, because I wasn't drinking at that time, but even just smelling it was so deeply painful for my nostrils. I couldn't imagine how it felt in your esophagus. Bad. What a nightmare. Definitively bad. But certain people... Weren't phased by it. I, yeah. I saw at the party, like, I was in a circle of people taking shots, and I can't remember who it was, but certainly one person who took it and was just like, cool. Well, I take it back. Not definitive. Do you think they were faking it? Like, they just, like, put it to their lips and, like, tilted it up and put it back down? That was a very full I don't know. That would bottle. still fuck you up, I think. I didn't like it. Yeah. That's saying something. Evan is the spice man. See, but I don't want things. I First off, fuck vodka. Second off... <laughs> I don't want to drink spicy things. I don't like spicy beer. It's sometimes like a nicely hint of spice in a cocktail is nice. Mm. What about a margarita? Margarita, nice and spicy. I don't mm. really drink a margarita. Mm, they're fucking. I'll drink mm. a Bloody Mary. For calamari. Wait, like you said calamari? Like calamari? <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't care for do you. Do you like spicy margaritas? Yeah, fuck yeah. You didn't see him doing the chef's kiss as he was talking about that? All right, well, then you know what? Mikey, you got to drink the habanero. Not vodka. that spicy, but well, like. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but like. Did you yeah. have it, Mikey? Did you? Oh, yeah, it was okay. horrible. Okay. Yeah, same thing. I, <laughs> I ran straight to the like half and half. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. That's all that there was. And everyone at the party, like, people were already on that tip. So Somebody hit me with a roll of Tums and a fucking tall glass of milk. Yeah. The uh, worst order <laughs> in the world. Don't want to need that. Yeah. It just felt like lava. It was so thick and it just like slowly made its way to your stomach and you felt you yes. felt it and make its way down. Yeah. And then your stomach also burned. Yeah. Then it hit it and then <laughs> it, it just stayed bad. there. Yeah. It was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like imagining how, did it hurt on the way out too when you're urinating? I, like, I don't remember. I remember thinking I was going to puke. Okay. In the immediate, you know, like it just like felt like it had to come back out. I was just worried there was like some sort of like mass uh, syphilitic scare afterwards or people's urine was burning on the way out too. I'm going to say it's God, definitely no. a Bernie Duke. I, you know, I don't doubt it, though I can't remember. But I, half-life of pain for drinking the shot of habanero vodka was like pretty good. I was very alarmed for like 10, 15 minutes and then I feel like I had a normal rest of my day. Then the vodka did its trick, I guess. So yeah, I don't know. It muted the burn a little bit. I almost like... Oh, never mind. I'm just going to not. Okay. No, no, no. Continue. No, it's so stupid. No. No, no, no. <laughs> no. It, it, this means it's good. No, it's not. It's gross. Yeah, it's great. I'll say it. I'll, I'll cut it out if it's too it's much. It's like I can almost remember the complexion of my Bernie Duke. It was just like, 
You know how some people can remember like Back to the Crib? I just remember I feel like I can I can just see the you know like it was glowing red the color. No, no, but I just I for some reason just remember that poop. Yeah, sometimes you remember a poop. Dude, that's fair. When I was like maybe four or five, I couldn't process food dye, and so if I ate too many Fruit Loops, my poop would come out yellow. And my dad made a joke that it glowed in the dark. So I can remember as a little kid running to the light switch and turning it off and running back to the toilet to see if the poop glowed in the dark. And I was disappointed. It didn't didn't actually glow, <laughs> but it was vibrant. He fucking got you, dude. You got me. You done goofed me. For our listeners, I would say it looked like a scotch bonnet sauce. Consistency of the Duke. Yeah. Wow. This is just a. It's a vivid image. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's. Oof. Now we know. <laughs> so a little Bernie. I feel you know like I, I mean? can smell it. That's like oh. a yellowy with orange, right? Oh, yeah. Scotch bonnet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe you're right. <laughs> maybe that was too much. Sorry. Yeah, we can cut that out. Or... It's up to Craig. I don't care. Yeah. It no. stays in. <laughs> we can keep the first part or, you know. We're just talking. You can tone it down. <laughs> just having a conversation about mac and cheese. Buff- fucking buffalo mac and cheese. Oh, anyway. I remember buffalo mac and cheese from Thanksgiving. Mm. Bears, buffalo mac and cheese. Mm. Shout out to Bear and the buffalo mac and cheese. It's delicious every year. I miss it. And Bear. Man. And so many people. Fuck. We should probably do a Thanksgiving. That would be really nice. We did it. Did we do a virtual Thanksgiving this past year? I feel like we tried. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Via Zoom in the pandemic year. Yeah. Yeah. To remind anyone who's listening or for any potential new listeners, uh, Thanksgiving was a big mama's tradition where the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, we had a Tom Hanks themed Friendsgiving essentially. And we watched uh, all of his movies on like three or more screens simultaneously, just showing around the warehouse. And yeah, I would love to have a, a, like a more contained, but continuation of. No, let's do one. Where everyone comes. That would be great. Don't look at me like that, Evan. I know what you just said. (laughs) How did I look at you? I'm wondering. Can you tell the listeners? (laughs) Evan whipped around knowingly of the phrase he just said, everyone comes. (laughs) Direct eye contact with me. See, the thing is, I wasn't thinking about that. Chris is a pervert. Yeah, I didn't hear it until it was explained to me. Yeah, sure. Put it on (laughs) me. it, It truly was. I was just having a wonderful thought where perhaps we could all get together in a large space and invite everyone we know like we used to. Yeah. Perhaps at big time. Maybe at big time. Whoa. Get a table in there. The only similarities it really has with the warehouse at this moment are a garage door and a swing. Hmm. These are pretty specific similarities. Music the walls. Yeah, music to the walls. Music and music to the walls. In general vibe, but yeah, if there's maybe no kitchen there. there, we'll need a, an extensive stereo Should we just break up. into the warehouse, do it there? I mean, that would be super fun. Something I think about are those uh, big stone structures at some parks that have like old stone fireplaces in them and picnic tables all under the roof. I've never used those. Like a gazebo kind of? Yeah, but like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've seen some in the Wissahickon and I've definitely seen some like in parks like less in the city. But I like love the idea of having a large friend like cook out and like hang out in a park with one of those things. Like, oh, and that shit. Like, that show was built in like the 50s, maybe like, all like, old CCC projects and they're fucking cool. You just start a fire in there. We just show up. Yeah. We'd have to build a classic Craig shying makeshift projector screen out there. So we could get our Hanks on. Yeah. Would do. have a generator, you know, watch some fucking movies. Let's do it. Park with the amount of global warming going on these days. I feel like it's probably going to be about 75 degrees out anyway. Yeah. When's that holiday? September, November, November, November can be nice in November. We'll build fires, have a roof. You know what? Yeah, it'll be just like it was in the warehouse. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. the same, yeah. 
That was like being outdoors in a gazebo, an extended gazebo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm for it. I like this brainstorming yeah. sesh. Yeah. Got to find the spot. I mean, maybe it could be FDR, actually, and not something. Well, they don't have any fireplaces that I know of. We got to look around. <laughs> we got time. We, we yeah. can keep brainstorming and scouting for locations. A little film lingo for you there. It happens. It happens. Speaking of film lingo. Action. Craig. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. I need direction. You're the one who gives the direction usually. Eh, nah. I mean, I don't know. I would like to know the future or like what's been going on in your studio. We're kind of just spread between like renting different spaces right now. A yeah. lot of our gear is at the Second Street Studio. Second Street Music, right? Is what Kylie's calling it. And he's kind enough to let us store a lot of our equipment there. And now a lot of it's in use. Uh, with his setup, but I've worked out of the headroom in the past year, and those guys are kind enough to, you know, like, like let me last minute sneak in there. You know, of course, Joe and Kyle. Yeah, yeah. our buds, our, our lovely buds. And Evan, you've worked out of some other spaces too. You helped Andy Moholt put together a, a studio in his practice space. Well, I helped Gigi put together a studio in the practice space. Yeah, yeah. That's that cool. Andy already has a studio in. You got some records. Have you been recording other people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pandemic's been weird, admittedly. Like, I've been fortunately over the pandemic. There were like three records I've been working on just kind of consistently because it was like a very much just like, let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And then, you know, we'd be like, all right. And then they'd come the next week and be like, we wrote some more songs. And then it's just like this ongoing thing. So fortunately, I got to be creative and do that and work in Second Street and do some of that stuff. And honestly, like the past two weeks is everyone's like okay we're ready to record now and i'm just like everyone's like what's the end of august like for you and i'm like oh my god you're like the fifth person who's asked me that i have no idea so it's like getting back to normal quote unquote air quotes i guess which is cool yeah i'll probably be working out of second street music for the time being until we find ourselves a new home or somehow end up back in big mamas but we've also been doing a lot of work out of the house too like evan and i built an isolation cabinet in the basement so we could record loud guitar much more quietly and yeah I've been mixing a bunch of records just out of my room with a bunch of the equipment from the studio that I've built into a smaller mixing suite. So yeah, same. still staying busy. Cool. Making it work as, as everybody has been doing in the pandemic, working from home. Mikey's been getting into uh, electricity. Yeah. Yeah. I electrocute and uh, <laughs> he's cute. <laughs> I did almost get electrocuted on Saturday. What did you do that for? We were cleaning out the new space and like there's some pretty intense electricity zone. There used to be a walk-in fridge, freezer. So all this like pretty old electricity connected to that. Can I come look at it? Yeah. I would love to get some eyes on it because like a lot of stuff is hot. I was like trying to move a piece of armored cable. Just cleaning up all the, you know, all like the random like wood scraps and shit around that area. Trying to get the trash out. I see this like cable sitting there. I'm like, that doesn't seem good. I was trying to like get this off to the side, like pinned against the wall. And I touched some piece of metal and it was a big spark and sound. And I dropped it. I was wearing gloves. Oh. And that's like warehouse space, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably like 277. Somebody said something about 410. Yeah. In there. Wow. I don't know. Some high voltage shit. Yeah, because it powered like a lot of stuff, right? Like there's some weird, pretty big like industrial hangover shit, you know, that is just like sat next to this garage door and like languished. I'll show you photos. It's honestly like spooky. <laughs> the amount of wires sticking out. So I won't do any electric work for you in the city of Philadelphia. Absolutely not. No. I won't do that. Yeah. You will record. absolutely take a look, but you will not do any work. I will not touch any work. And I won't pay it. Don't even worry. <laughs> gotcha. 
<laughs> well, just because, like, well, in the city of Philadelphia, I just found out you need to be a master electrician to legally do work in the city of Philadelphia, so. But I don't touch anything. I never inhaled. Oh, the Bill Clinton defense. <laughs> he did not have sex with that Bill Clinton. No, he said <laughs> no. he didn't inhale when he smoked weed in college is what I was referring to, Evan. God damn it. <laughs> he absolutely inhaled. Yeah, he fucking wears sunglasses and plays saxophone. You know that guy inhaled. He's a fucking liar. You can't trust your government. That's also true. Yeah, I know. Also true. <laughs> what, what do we got on the podcast docket? Oh, this is a perfect time for Chris to do uh, Dutch Bane. Dutch Bane? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Just give us a Dutch Bane. I can't remember the bit now. I was combining my impersonation of Goldmember with an impersonation of Bane from The Dark Knight Rises this weekend. Okay. And I was saying my that's the new bit is Dutch Bane. And I genuinely cannot remember what I was what I was saying now. Put him on the spot. Yeah. Oh, you're wondering about my mash. I got it in a terrible schmelting accident. <laughs> That's basically the idea. Could have been me if I connected those wires. Which thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you, you were schmelted for sure. You you knew me as Craig. Now I am Goldbane. That's it. That's there you go. Thank you. Is that what you wanted, Evan? That is what I wanted, yes. <laughs> Keep that in. Oh no. Craig, if you want people to find you on the web or in real life, where should they look? What plugs do you have? Yeah, plugs. You can find a project I did this past year around the city, just building some swings, setting some swings up, some at Graffiti Pier, some at the old golf course at FDR Park, some in the second. Uh, It's hard to tell someone how to find them because they're not so well documented on the internet, but those are out there, and that's like a project I'm happy to share. Can I ask you what hole it might be on at FDR? Because I would love to go. Man, I don't know, because I never played the golf course. But towards the south, when you go into that golf course, or, you know, where, where it was, to the point where it opens up to a field where you can see 95, that blue bridge, okay. under a tree there. I'll look for it. <laughs> I just seriously will. Do you golf there? It closed down, and they let it over. They just let it grow. So it's wild. Like, the fairways are all overgrown, and it's fucking wild oh so it's like some off-roading golf now i think they're gonna eventually redo the course and it's gonna maybe be something really nice but they're trying to keep it as a community park oh really yeah they're like the director of the park is trying to like he's the one that invited me to put the swings there he's trying to keep it from getting developed into like a top golf which is like a oh no you know thing with a parking lot and they like serve food and beer at a driving range something like that it's like the most Mm. Capitalistic kind of golf little like movie theater. But anyway. Yeah, that sucks. I feel like the whole spirit of FDR Park at large is very much like community minded. Just think even about the skate park alone. Yeah. Where it's like built by community members and has nothing to do with the city officially. That would be a real shame to lose that space to something like that. Yeah, but luckily I don't think, uh, you know, like to be hopeful it definitely won't because, you know, there's a lot of effort like from within the park and from the community, like establish the Philadelphia Gardens and the, or the Meadows, they're calling that place, like South Philly Meadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Well, when it comes to film and also your charity work that you're doing with the films that you were showing at Grace Ferry Skate Park too, that's uh, I think an important thing for people to look into. Yeah. There's a Big Mom Cinematheque website, bigmomcinematheque.com, which, and an Instagram that, you know, hopefully will be more active in the spring, like when the new space is set up to, again, screen films in that garage and teach workshops in that space. There's some ideas on how to open it up in some accessible ways to the community in Brewtown, and I'm, I'm really excited about that potential. 
So yeah, anyway, hopefully that stuff will be happening in the spring when we get the sink back, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and some other stuff. So those two places, the Big Mama Cinematheque. Groups I've worked with in the past year and a half, Paper Mill Food Hub and Bunny Hop have been, you know, really cool to help mutually just support each other, you know, mostly through food distribution. And I definitely plug them. And there's so many groups in Philly doing a lot of, you know, nice things for each other. Y'all can find that stuff. Any uh, social media stuff for you to plug too? I have some personal stuff just under my name, Craig Shine, And I have a website, craigshine.tv. I think I tried to lay out some of the swing stuff on there. I haven't looked at it in a minute. So <laughs> I don't know. You can check it out though. Well, a listener inspire Craig to look at his own site by taking a little peek at it and see if you can figure out where those swings are. Treat it like a little treasure map for yourself and see if you can scour Philadelphia and find those swings and maybe uh, send us a photo of you swinging on one of Craig's swings. I'm sure he'd be happy to see one of those. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me. This is nice. Thanks yeah, for dude. joining us. Yeah, thanks for coming, bud. A pleasure. Sign off? This is Evan signing off. That's, you know that's not what it is. This is <laughs> Dutch Bane Mikey signing off. You've been listening to the Super Week Super Weekly Supercast. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, Craig. Thank you. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. I had to do a real one. No, that was great. God Don't damn it. Do, I'm, I'm stopping it.